You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Black Hair in the Big Leagues presents The Salisha Show. You guys, okay, so I've got a new friend on the show today and already like five seconds within before we even recorded already we're so excited to talk to each other she is a breath of fresh air and a light i'm like oh my goodness i cannot wait to actually like get to know her even more and if you could see her beautiful friggin face right now okay okay hailing from louisiana and with an mfa in playwriting from columbia my guest today is the founder of obie award-winning fire this time festival not fire festival okay i said fire this time festival what is that you ask okay this is in my own words so she can correct me if if she's like what the heck did you say it's a huge writing factory for new works by black writers of all genders and she's the editor of the anthology 25 plays from the fire this time festival a decade of recognition resistance resilience rebirth and black theater they've helped develop over 80 playwrights and honestly it's inspiring me to want to write a play and submit my work too y'all please Help me welcome the founder and executive director of the Fire This Time Festival, Kelly Nicole Gerard. Oh my God, Salisha, I think that was like the best intro. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not worthy of your intro. <laughs> oh, but you are. Every I didn't make any of that stuff up. And if I did, you can definitely correct me, but. No, you did. Awesome, awesome job. <laughs> you're the bomb. Who, okay, Kelly, in your own words, like, what are you doing out here in these streets? Uh, you know, I think my uh, my my favorite thing that I call myself is that I feel like I'm just um, building community. And I think in, in everything that I've been doing is that ultimately, like, we've just been building a really beautiful community of um, uh, that that center our our black artists and our black um, uh, theater makers and storytellers and um, you know for the past year I've um, been the director of new work at the Apollo and it's funny because I feel that I'm kind of just doing um, doing at the Apollo is like an extension <laughs> of what like I've been doing at the fire this time for almost 15 years now um, so it's so it's really and it's wonderful I mean it is an it is an honor to be able to. Um, either be the first yes for somebody or to um, be the first iteration of a play. I mean, I will say, you know, Jordan Cooper's Ain't No Mo, which is currently on Broadway, uh, did start at the Fire This Time. It was in the Fire This Time Festival, the, 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 the opening scene that you see. I remember reading that as we were kind of going through all of the scripts and, you know, being very exhilarated and very scared 
um, of it. And then here we are all these years later that Jordan's on Broadway. So <laughs> that's like literally you just said so many things that I'm like, which direction should we go in? Because that is it's awesome. You just casually mentioned doing new work at the Apollo. Like what? How did that come into your life? Is that is that like is that a th like that sounds awesome? It really is, Alicia. I can't, you know, I well, A, it's awesome to be at the Apollo because, you know, for me growing up in Louisiana, my whole weekend was Friday was the BET Top 10 countdown. Come on. Saturday was amateur night at the Apollo. And if you got to stay up late enough, it was Deaf Comedy Jam. Come on. Um, so, you know, it is just such this place that is like has such this power and such this whole just like globally as this um center for um for black um creatives uh, you know just our black excellence right and and cult, such a big cultural hub um but uh uh you know in addition to the main stage and the main theater um as most of you may know by now that the Victoria Theater right next door to it um was purchased by the Apollo and it's being totally gutted I did not know that yes it'll have you know um a gallery to theater spaces, rehearsal rooms, like it's going to be crazy. So it will open it officially called the Victoria. It'll officially open in the fall of 2023. And um, so, you know, kind of like with the uh, coinciding with that, the theater kind of coming online was the um, an, uh, initiative of the New Works program, um, which is that, uh, you know, we bring on a new cohort of artists and we're kind of like seeing the New Works program as an extension of what our um, main stage was doing. Like this is kind of like building on the history of the Apollo and us really kind of saying like, you know, how do we um, actively contribute to helping to build and develop um, the, 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 the next, um, you know, uh, generation. Um, generation of black artists. And thank you. Help me find my words. Our next generation of black artists, but also to help establish this new American canon. You know, right. it's like we all kind of grow up and we read like the canon of work and so many, so much of that means that like we were excluded from it, you know? Um, so this is, it is, it look, it, it is an exciting time to be at Apollo. It is exciting time to be an artist. Um, it is exciting time to be a black artist. It is exciting time to be in the black community. I mean, it, it always, is. Yeah. It, literally, I am like, I, I love being black, honestly. And if I had any idea what it was gonna mean to be black before coming here, like what it means now, it like, obviously there's highs and there's lows. Oh, it is so worth it. Right. And the work that you're doing, amplifying voices, putting out new works. I love what you said about um, and like get the joy of getting to be a lot of people's first yes. Mm. It gives me goosebumps because everybody's got to get a start everywhere. And yes. before moving to New York, it's like, how do you get in? How do you get started? That's with anywhere. It's like, you have to have credits to get more credits, but how do you get that first credit? Yeah. And it's, it's things like what you're doing at the Fire This Time Festival where people can like get a start. Yeah. How did you, get your start you know it's alicia somebody said yes to me and the person who said yes to me was erez who um you know he runs frigid nyc 
which is, um, that's the Crane Theater, used to be the Red Room Theater and the Under St. Mark's Theater. But they're like, you know, on East 4th Street, there's this kind of like a uh, hub of all these indie theaters and like those indie theater scenes. So we're right next door to New York Theater Workshop, right across the street from La Mama. It's like all, it's like this scene. And um, I honestly came out of grad school and I was interning there. And that's when we had the Red Room and it was just like the, the, the best little black box. You have to walk up three flights of stairs to get to it, but it was like one of those black boxes that was just so magical and it just held so much history. And I said, Arez, I have an idea for a theater festival. I said, can I do this thing? And he said, yeah. He gave me the black box for over a weekend. And that was literally how it started. He said, I, I had no work. I had to, he, he essentially said, yes, you can have a theater. And I literally got on an email and like just kind of cold emailed Katori Hall oh. and, um, uh, Germano Toussaint and Derek McFadder and Rada Blank and Pia Wilson. And that was our first year lineup. Wait, wait. Was Katori Katori at that time? Katori was Katori. Katori was Katori. And then literally right after we did that festival, she was like Katori with like all the capital left. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was insane. It was insane. You know, we got like, it was, you know, they say everything isn't the timing. And I think like that, that was one of those things. Number one, there were enough of us that were just like, so frustrated and we we're just like, you know, and you just always know that, you know, if you want to do something new that you just have to recognize that you're going to have to put that work in. Um, but Ooh. there was just like, there was just something in the air that we were just like, you know what, like, let's just do this ourselves, you know? And, um, and and that's and that's what happened. And here we are, you know, uh, you know, we're going to our 14th season. That's amazing. Um, you know, I definitely again, I didn't I was not seeking to be a producer. It was definitely something I found, you know, um, because, you know, I went to um, did my master's in uh, playwriting. Come on. I kind of just knew that I was like, okay, well, if I want a space for my voice, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and have to make that. And so I was like, oh, it's going to be a fun thing I'm going to do like one time. <laughs> <laughs> so wait so okay wait i'm guessing this is what i'm i was just about to ask you but i'm guessing you got from louisiana to new york because of columbia yeah uh-huh uh-huh and then you stayed yep yep you found your community yep yep and that's the and that's the the biggest thing even uh, funny enough but right before i got on this interview, you know, I was talking to, um, you know, one of our, the, you know, the uh, first playwrights and one of our founding playwrights, Germano Tucson, um, you know, his mother recently passed away and, you know, he was, you know, the, doing the funeral today. And you know, he was like, he was saying, you know, um, you know, we sent out a big call to our community because his mother did pass quite suddenly. And we were just like, you know, um, you know, let's kind of like help our brother out, you know, what, what can we do? And he was just so grateful for that. And we were just going back and forth and talking about how awesome the community is because, you know, the work is the work, you know, but also at the end of the day that I think what we have built is a space that people keep returning to because, you know, we're not um, goal, goal oriented. Our only expectation is that like, you know, you you, you come, you, you, you know, reciprocity, you know, we give, we receive, like we really are a community. And, I, and if you, I, I definitely want to make sure that you get the chance to come to the fire this time, this year, because it is a family reunion. It is a family reunion. Our audiences are the best. We sing in between song, you know, plays. We're like, even, I mean, it is just, it's so much Fun. It's like over like two weeks in January. Yeah, well, I think um, 
yes, I think this year we'll, we'll be returning to our um, regular uh, timing, which we usually start on uh, Martin Luther King Day. We have been, in the past, we've gone for three weeks. We're probably going to go for two weeks this year, um, just with everything with COVID yeah, and whatnot. We get, yes. Um, but yeah, but I will, I will definitely, you know, let you know, because, um, you've got to come and check it out, but we are, that's, that's who we are. We are a, that's the thing that makes me the most proud. It's like, we can, you know, help us uplift voices, but we're also helping to uplift humans, people. And, um, and I think that that is what keeps us going strong for so long, you know, humans, yeah, people. Okay. What would you say to somebody like me? I'm black, I'm a writer, I've always wanted to write a play, but not sure how to format it. What would you say to somebody like that in regards to the work that you're doing or how to get involved, where to begin? Um, you know, so just start writing. You know, I hear so many people say like, oh, I, well, I don't know how to write X, Y, or Z. And it's like, well, you know, the fact of the matter is nobody really does until you just sit down to do it. I mean, I think of like, you know, when I, even when I write a play, you know, I mean, like, so for example, like a piece that I'm, that's in, I haven't developed it now. I've been working on that play for seven years. You know, it's like wow. part of playwriting is such a collaborative process that sometimes you don't even know what you have until you get in the room. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, just put pen to paper and get in the room and then it'll start to shape itself. I think that really Probably the main thing you need as a writer is just your perseverance, right? Because, and to know it's not going to be right the first time. It's not going to be right the second time. It's not going to be right the third time. It may not be what you're trying to say for a long time, but it's like, but that is the process. The process is the rewriting. So from that perspective, I'm like, nobody, like nobody sits down and hits it out the ballpark first time. I mean, if they did, I mean, I'm like more power to you, but you're not <laughs> Right. I'm like, what do you mean? You probably been thinking about that for so long, or whatever. Maybe you were doing the rewrites in your head. I don't know. Um, <laughs> right. I say you just write it down, and then you find. A, and sometimes it's very easy to start. I mean, it's like you know, you probably know a great group of actors or directors or somebody to say, hey, you know what, y'all? Can you come over to my house? I just need to hear this. Yeah. Hear it in front of a group, and then you know, and then you know, and then come to the fire this time, and you know, let's you know talk about like what developmental opportunities we have, or you know who we know, who you need to talk to that you should definitely try to you know get into this. I mean, there is, I, I mean, that's what I would say is that there just has to, you just have to start, and there, I don't think there is necessarily any right way to start except in front of the page. Mm. See what I have in my mind right now is like I know a whole group of black women in the Broadway industry. They're actors, you'll see them on stage, but they also like write, all of them. They're writers, they write blogs that we send them to each other and they're so talented. I'm like, they've got a voice, I've got a voice. And and I'm just thinking about all those people who even who might be listening like, you have a voice, but it's maybe not usually formatted in the form of a play of how to figure out how to put it so we can get it on stage to encourage people who like, it's already in them, but it's just mm -hmm. a formatting thing. Like it, you can do it. That's what I'm like, just trying to, I don't know, put words to, or just like, and what I'm hearing you say is just 
start and it might be messy at the beginning and it might not be what you oh, think it'll it will definitely be yeah it'll yeah. definitely be messy yeah. and, it'll be, and then you just and then you shape it and you shape it and you shape it until you know you get down to like you know either one of two things will happen like it will reveal itself to you what it's trying to say or you will suddenly look at it and say like wait a second that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say this. So then you'll automatically kind of like pivot, you know, but, um, you know, I think I, you know, definitely, you know, I, I, it's something I've just heard so many people say over the years, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm like, yes, you are, you are, you know, you just have to be committed to sitting down with it. I mean, you know what we say, it's like, you know, everything is like what it's like, you know, um, I'm going to say this so wrong. So we should like 90% perspiration and 10% percent inspiration Ooh. or whatever I'm, I'm definitely saying that wrong but the, but the take home there is that it's really about the time that you put into it right and it's about the work the takeaway is it's about the time that you put into the work okay so here's like an identity question one of probably many from me to you um when did you have the confidence to call yourself a writer Oh, that's such a good one. That's such a good question. Yeah, because you're right. I had a big identity crisis coming out of Columbia because I started, because when I did the start at the fire this time, I just kind of got pushed into producing. And all of a sudden, like I'm producing way more than I'm writing. And then I started to get identified more as a producer and a writer. And then I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm not a writer anymore. And I had this whole thing where I would like, put producer or like say Kelly, Kelly Gerard producer. And I wouldn't even put writer. And. Oh, what? And then I know because I felt that I didn't have the right to call myself that because. Put your MFA in it. Right. But like to me, I was like, okay, well, I'm not like, you know, sitting down for X amount of hours a day and then, you know, going to walk the dog and then coming back and like, and doing it for (laughs) three or something like that or whatever it is that they expect. Right. And, you know, funny enough, it was my friend, um, Christine Jean Chambers, who was like, she was like, Kelly, she was like, you're a writer. She's like, I'm going to force you to write pages. She's like, you have to submit pages to me, like, uh, you know, at the end of the week, like, but what it was like, what she was trying to say is that she could see that I was you know, losing my confidence and feeling that I could call myself a writer because I was just pivoting a little bit at the time. And and it's the thing to to remember, like in the business that we're in, you know, um, we're never one thing, right? Right. You know, it's like, yeah. And you find that more and more. And it's like, you know, so, you know, like you're sometimes you, you may be directing a little bit without knowing it, you know, you're, you're, you know, some people like a lot of artists do have this producing muscle or, you know, like they have a development muscle, like they know how to like, you know, fundraise or something like that. But um, I think we get kind of so caught into these boxes of like, no, I'm, I'm just a writer or I'm just an actor or, you know, I'm just a director. And the fact of the matter is, is that so many of us are doing so many, so many, so much of that simultaneously. Yeah. And so, you know, we sh- I, I like, I love, like, I love it when I meet another artist that's like a producer and is a writer and also a photographer and they're, you know, doing these love things. That. There's so many more of us who are, you know, really kind of indulging ourselves in different, um, in, 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 in different uh, areas of the art form. And, and I think it's necessary. I think it really informs how we go into the room because I'm a big advocate of like, you know, 
don't go into the room, you know, feeling like, you know, you don't know something. Like, don't go into the room, like, feeling like you're not empowered. Like, I really advocate for people <sighs> behind the scenes, no in front of the scenes, no all around the scenes, everything, so that you're really going in and you don't ever feel like you're going in with a disadvantage. Like, oh, you know, I'm going in as just the writer and, you know, and, and the director knows everything. They know more than I do. Well, no, that is, <laughs> that's not true. You know, no, that's not true. <laughs> Yeah. especially depending on what the project is right yeah <laughs> yes yes but I, I i i love that and and i now want to i want to ask you like and this is just like a gateway into other things obviously but like i would like to ask you about your hair and your journey and your curls you've got a great head of hair Likewise, I was like, look at yours. I was like, oh my God, Salisha's are like so bouncy. Like, how do I get? Oh my God, are you kidding me? And, and I'm always like, oh, if mine could only grow down. Mine grows up, 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 up. Have you always had curly hair? Yes, I have. I have always had curly hair, but for most of my life, and it's funny, I was listening to your most recent um, interview and um, you're always talking about relaxers and like, and how long it takes the, the hair to um, to kind of like normalize itself again, like once you stop doing it. I had been getting relaxers for so long. I'm sorry, pause. You got a relaxer. If y'all cannot see her hair, it is like, it it grows down. <laughs> it it looks like a soft curl. You got re relaxers? I did, but you know, there's a bigger, like there's, there's, there's such a bigger thing in that. Yes, tell me, tell me. It is really like, you know, so I, de so, you know, I grew up in Louisiana, um, but I grew up in um, mostly in predominantly white spaces. And um, I'm one of 10 siblings. And for most of our, yes, <laughs> big, big Creole family. Yeah. Um, but for most of our um, lives, you know, we were, pro we probably made up the, uh, the, 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 of color demographic of every school, every church, parish, everywhere we went, right? And, you know, I think a lot of the choices that were made, uh, that my parents made for us had a lot to do with assimilation and survival. You know, mm. so for example, we kind of all hear that thing, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you, if you grew up and you're, you know, you always go out and you're, you know, you're scrubbed from head to toe, like you don't have a speck of dirt on you, you're buttoned up, you know, like you're have all your hair is in every place. And so I think that, you know, for my parents, you know, coming back, you know, I haven't grown up in the deep south. And, you know, my father was the first to integrate uh, an all white school. And, you know, my mother used to pass for white to get jobs. So she grew up very um, poor. Um, I think that oh. for them, that upward mobility meant, you know, like, okay, let's not literally like have a hair out of place. So I grew up, you know, getting my hair relaxed and did not realize how awesome my hair was until I moved up here for grad school. And like, and I remember like right before, yeah. I, I remember the last relaxer I got, it was like, must've been like, what, 14 years ago? Um, and this was, and this, I did it for a crazy reason, Salisha. I knew at some point that I wanted to have kids. And like, I started to hear like about how the relaxers, the chemicals could create like, you know, uterine fibroids or cancer or something. Okay. Like it was just, and now, you know, fast forward, like we, you know, we hear about that. Um, and I was like, I was like, I don't want to do that to 
my body anymore. And I don't want to do that to, you know, I I don't want to pass that down onto my kids, you know? So it's like, um, how'd you stop? Cause once you're doing it, it's like, how do you stop? Yeah. And it was, it was, it was difficult. What I had to do for a little while was I had to just, as it was growing out. And as I was quite frankly, learning how to um, deal with my curly hair, um, I had to do a lot of blowouts because Mm. I just like, it was like, some was growing out. So some of it was curly, some of it was straight. It was like, it took a minute. Um, but, um, I would never, 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 ever go back. And it's funny because all of me and my sisters were all like, oh my God, we're never going to relax our kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love what you say. And it's so relatable. Like at least for me, moving to New York, is like, oh, wait, I can just like be me. I can just like, look how I look. Like, cause in California, I'm not from Louisiana, but in California, you use the words. And I write, I wrote this down assimilation and survival. It sent chills through my body. Cause I've never put those words to it, mm. but it's something that I understand. Yeah. And I never really thought about that in that very pointed way. God, um, how, be patient with me as I f- figure out how to ask what I'm trying to ask you. For sure. How has it been for you? Like, okay, first off, and you said it already a little bit, but what is your ethnic makeup? Yeah, um, and this should be a super easy question to, to answer. Um, uh, but, um, so I am, um, I am of, Cajun and Creole French descent from Louisiana. So now what that means is on, <laughs> break it down is that um, both of my parents are um, French speaking from Louisiana. Um, and so my dad is of Cajun French descent, which means that my ancestors came from Nova Scotia. They were kicked out of Nova Scotia. Um, they went through Haiti. They came to Louisiana. They were the, uh, they settled the Acadian or what we now know as the Acadian territories, spoke French. Um, and, oh and his, his side of the family is, is, you know, is very mixed. You know, we have some of the, you know, they mixed with the, um, indigenous peoples. Um, there were also still like, there were a lot of free people of color in Louisiana. There was, so there was, there was a lot of mixture amongst the people there on my mother's side with Creole French descent, um, which means that in Louisiana, um, you were considered Creole if you were, um, of black and indigenous and French descent, and you spoke French. Um, and it and the, the term Creole took on a whole lot of like different meanings. Um, it, it, you know, I'm sure you've heard of like there was octoroon, quadroon, a yeah. lot of like, yeah. And and a lot of times, sometimes it meant like where you lived in New Orleans, like you were classified as a Creole. Sometimes it meant just whatever language you were speaking, because there were also white Creoles. It gets, you know, Louisiana, we can't do, we can't do anything simple. It's always got to be complicated. Come on. (laughs) But, you know, but, but ultimately I have always identified as black and have always, um, you know, identified that, you know, the, the Louisiana Cajun Creole French of color is, um, is, is very specific to um, it, to my heritage. Um, and it is a, it is a aspect of the black experience. It's not separate from the black experience. And I have to, I do think it's important to make that distinction because I think that for so long, what the signifier Creole tried to do 
was um was create more problems amongst black people with kind of like this intraracial racism that like oh okay well yeah. we're closer to white so we're better than y'all and you know and so i think that was also you know if there was a long time where i was hesitant to say creole because of what it had come to mean people assuming that you're trying to get away from identifying yourself as black but like that not being the case at all because that was you know that was by design right like if yeah. we're all with each other you know we can't you know but it's really been nice like over the years to be able to see it as like you know like it, it's there are so many of us there's we're all so many different things under this beautiful umbrella called yeah. blackness yes i love that and i listen like i'm also a light-skinned black girl and i feel like you know we get a bad rap people are like <laughs> you probably a heifer you probably <laughs> and i feel like people assume that i'm gonna be stuck up and yeah. and a heifer and i'm like no 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 however like it you know there is a thing the colorism within the race and i just want us all to get along but also to be able to understand the different the differences but also make sure that at the end of the day we are all unified how has it been you doing like you amplifying all these black voices and people of color have you ever while being so fair-skinned have you gotten any um discrimination have you had to like tell people like hey no wait i'm black too has that ever been a problem has it or has it been something good like how has your experience been god you know that is such a good question and no not not in new york theater no i mean that's, um, good. that's a good thing <laughs> The funny thing is, though, Salisha, is that where I did have a lot of that was back down south, you know, um, where, you know, there was just always this tendency to for people to try to take away your blackness from you. Oh, well, you're not really black. You know, it's like you're not, you know, even being in high school and having people say and 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 there being other black people at the school and, and you know, friends, friends, I'm doing the air quotes for people who can't see saying like, oh, you know, I like your kind of blackness kelly not so-and-so's kind of blackness which was just saying i like something that looks closer to me that to closer to whiteness you know um but you know here interesting yeah you know never never and um uh yeah like you really you really took us it's like oh my god have and i'm like no no we're we're so good to each other here. That is not to say that I that you know that doesn't that um that I don't know people who have had that experience where there there definitely is a kind of calling it to question of like how you know maybe how much they can relate to something based off of their um that based off of their their heritage, you know, um their or their ethnic heritage. Um I am um I'm so, I'm always so hesitant to talk about this because it's still such a delicate conversation and I'm never really sure how to approach it but like there but I do want it to be a part of the conversation I would like to like be a part of that or at least help start it or continue it I should say and, and but I just am not ever sure how like honestly and and that is that like I wish I could have some type of panel with black people of every shade mm. and to be able to voice like how ev like how you're feeling about how you are how you like 
um, appear in this world, how we're showing up as ourselves and get to hear both people. Cause I, I mean, obviously like my mother is, she's very light skin. My dad is dark skin. And I remember hearing her say like going to school, like she was so light skin, but she wasn't black enough for the black kids, but the white kids are like, you're not white. <laughs> like, and I feel that too. It's like very like, yeah, you might be fair, but I'm like still black. Like the police still sees black skin. But you know, there is still like privilege that comes with having lighter skin still like it's it's getting better it's becoming more equal but i kind of would like to, i wish there could be a space of like i don't know kelly i know exactly and i i hear you Salisha. and it's funny because this kind of this conversation i remember like on um like there was a big facebook conversation about colorism and um and i like i like i think it would be such a healing space to be able to sit in that space and just hear people's experience and like you know i was you know i you know uh one time made a comment that like you know uh you know at you know for me as a you know as a light-skinned black woman you know i have i recognize that you know just by virtue of kind of like what ha like the 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 privilege that you have that maybe you don't even ask for it like that, it, that you get certain privileges and those privileges cause harm to other people mm. and so it's the recognition that like yes you have harmed other people and you have been harmed yourself and right. that like it is this again and that this was something that was by design this was by design i mean it's like if we you know, you, we can, you know, you could take it all the way back to, you know, our, you know, the, the, the history of enslavement and, you know, how having that racial, that caste system, ultimately, mm. you know, as long as people aren't getting along, you don't have to worry about them, you know, rising up against you. Right. You know, oh. and it's like, oh. right. Say it again. Whoa. I mean, because. <sighs> you think about like where all of that comes from right like there were some people who were good enough to work in the house and they did less labor and they were usually you know fairer skinned and then there were you know the, the people who weren't good enough to work in the house and they needed to be in the fields you know it's like and that it's like you know you you, you can't like those things get carried they get carried over generations the thing is though is that i think that we are i think our generation is that you know i can definitely say yes i have gotten some i have definitely experienced privileges because of the way that i looked but i also had nine other siblings and we were all different shades and all had different hair textures yes. and i saw my darker skinned brothers and sisters get mistreated in the same moments that i would get treated differently from them whoa it, it is a thing that we have to recognize, and I think that once we see that now and we just say, yes, it is a thing, we can talk openly about that and to hear whether, you know, I think the worst thing you can ever say to somebody is like, oh, well, you know, it's like that wasn't really your experience, like, because that didn't happen to me. But, well, you know, you're a whole ass different person, right? Right. No? So it's like, so I, I, I mean, I think I love what you're, and, and, you know, and this kind of brings me back to why, you know, I was gushing about how much I love you know, that you bring up this topic because the topic of black women and black hair, it just brings up so many things, right? First, it's just the comfort for so many of us having that, the memory of like, 
uh, you know, our mothers like greasing our scalps and bringing right. our hair, <laughs> yeah, whether we wanted to or not, you know, wash days on Sundays, and that it was such like a bonding thing. Um, so that it's so much comfort. And I remember like, Love you know, that. like bonding with some of my best friends, like that, you know, you like you may not know somebody from there, but you start talking about hair, and all of a sudden it's like you're automatically bonding. But yeah. then it's also, I think it's a really good entry point for us to talk about a lot of pain points, you know. Yeah. And, and and so it's so um it's so it's so fertile uh, in that way. And so like I just like I appreciate you so much for having a podcast like this um to talk about hair. I mean, already you've like ignited something in me, Kelly, and I'm just like, "Oh my goodness, you just like we I feel like we barely scratched the surface and uh it just I want to keep going deeper, especially like, I don't know, especially with these things that I feel like are delicate things, like how do we do this? And I just feel that inspiration coming from you. And I know I have to let you go soon, but you did say something that was like, uh, uh, and I tried to write it down as you were saying it. You were, it's as long as people aren't getting along, you don't have to worry about them. How'd you say it? I'm rising up against you. Rising up against you and i think about black people how i don't know when we like accepted uh like the thought that we're just like bottom of the barrel in america or whatever because we are we keep queens and kings (laughs) from royalty mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how did things get misconstrued and i just feel like we are so powerful mm. we are all so powerful what happens if we realize who we are as individuals but like as a collective, collective. yeah yeah we could do anything Absolutely. And I think, and again, and that so applies to the arts, you know, and, you know, I was just talking to a couple of friends about this the other day and they were just like, you know, they're like, you know what I love about us so much. Like, you know, if somebody comes to us and they're like, oh, you know, it's like, I need this, this, like we share resources, we don't withhold, you know, and, you know, and by sharing and by coming together as community, that's what, I don't think it's an accident that so many of us over the past decade are just like, you know, are rising, like we're not withholding from each other. Mm. We'll help each other. Because the fact of the matter is, is that there's I, like I do. Th- this is the thing I do. And this is the thing I like to write about. Why am I? Why should I? If, if I know that there's an opportunity for somebody I do know who writes this thing that I'm not going to be like, look, you better apply for this thing. OK, you know, because yes. I'm not. Why would I withhold? But again, to your point about our collective power, you know, it's like we are so much stronger together. Right. Oh, I hope, oh my goodness. I hope that in our lifetime, we continue to see like that unity and camaraderie and you're already doing it in your space. And like, it's just growing and I'm, can anybody go to the Fire This Time Festival, P.S.? Yeah, yeah, You can, anybody can go. Um, yeah, anybody. I mean, um, I don't think our tickets are on sale. And I'm, this is where I'm so terrible, Salisha, because I didn't know this information. <laughs> Emily has this information. I'm like, oh my it's God. okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, no. Um, anybody can go. Anybody can go. Um, and um, literally, just purchase a ticket. Come down to the theater. Um, we should have 
uh, the dates and things posted. I, I think I honestly, I do think a press release went out like a couple weeks ago and I'm just so brain dead. <laughs> nope, that's okay. I feel like you've heard the name. If you're listening, you've heard it. You can look it up and see. I think we mentioned January. Yes, yes. And it's uh, so farthesttimefestival.com. Um, to, to, to check out all things for this time and what's and what's coming up and how to how and when to get a ticket. Do you know if there will be like, I don't know if there would be a virtual component of it? We may. Yes, there will. Um, for people who aren't in New York? Yes, um, we will have some virtual component, whether that's what we stream or we will be um, we will be partnering with PBS All Arts again, um, they um, filmed our, um, our was it our 12th, 11th, or our 11th season. They filmed our 11th season and um, they streamed everything on the All Arts platform. And then it was also broadcast on television. That's so, so cool. Yes. So there will be the ability to be able to see that. And, I sh- and also on that point, I do think that you probably can stream um, our past season I think our past season, uh, some of the plays are still available to stream as well. Okay. And also your, um, the book is out about the, like the <laughs> anthology and that's 25 plays. Will you be doing more of those? Is this I'm, be- I'm hoping I would love to, my go- big goal is to see all of the plays published. So, um, so this is just our first, we're just getting started. God bless you. What you're doing is awesome. And I will always like be grateful for the people who gave me my first yes. And you're you're giving others their first yes, and it's just just a breath of fresh air, and like just thank you for what you're doing. And oh before God. I let you go, Kelly, mm-hmm. if you can remember what do you remember? I I can ask this in, in either way. The advice that someone gave you that helped you know that you could fly the way you're oh. flying today or whatever comes to mind first, something that you would say to someone who is wondering, can I too fly? Oh my God. That's so beautiful. So, you know, I'm, I'm, this is the thing that's coming to my mind. Um, since my girls have been two years old, I do, I've been doing this affirmation with them and I do it with them every single morning before they go to school. So since they've been two years old, I do this affirmation where I say, you know, I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am strong. Best day ever. And, (laughs) and, and the, there's so much power in the repetition of that. And there's so much power in saying that to yourself. Um, because sometimes, because we get kind of like, so brainwashed that like, we aren't all those things. And sometimes you just have to repeat that to yourself until you believe it. You know, it's like fake it till you make it. Because I would say that everybody can. It's about overcoming all the things that have convinced you that you can't. You like you automatically you 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 can. What it is is about taking off all of the things, dropping all of the things that are adding that burden weight onto you that saying that you can't. It's already there. It's already there. Have you? I'm sorry. Have you written a book yet? (laughs) <laughs> because you're just dropping so many gems and I'm having silent breakdowns on this video that you can't hear on the podcast. And I'm just like, you're getting me again and again and again. We already can. It's just breaking down all the stuff that has told us that we can't. Mm-hmm. Everything is already there. 
please write, yep. please write the yep. book. Kelly, <laughs> I'm so serious. Write the friggin' book, okay. <laughs> I know you're like a playwright, but also please for me, just memoir that out for me. All right, I'm, I'm gonna sidebar with you, Switch. <laughs> <laughs> you can help me edit. <laughs> yes, I would be happy to. Um, how can people find you? Uh, uh, probably through the fire this time, all of our socials. Um, uh, I am also uh, wherever the Apollo is. Come on. I mean, I have to say I'm not awesome on the socials. Alicia. Like, I have to do better at that. But I am on Facebook. Me personally, I'm on Facebook. Okay. Um, and then um, you can always find me to the fire this time festival. Uh, yeah, that's where I am. That's what I'm, I'm, that's the spaces that I'm in. And I'm usually always out and about, I'm, you know, I'm out, out seeing something or doing something, so. Oh my goodness. And I'm just loving looking at your hair right now. I'm like, oh my goodness, should I go and like put in an extra wash day today? Like doing. No, it looks fabulous. It looks fabulous. I, I actually, I love how your, your, your curls are like so defined. Thank I'm you. Like, They're not usually, usually it's a head full of frizz. I don't know, I just lucked out today, but <laughs> I'm, I've been working on the front curls lately because these oh, are the ones that great. were like straight for years before I went natural. And they're finally so curling for the first time in my life. Since they're so pretty, I love it. I love it. I think you were so pretty. <laughs> like this. You're making me blush. Okay, okay, okay. You guys, you heard it here first. Kelly, Nicole, Gerard, thank you so much for stopping by. Oh. And that wraps another episode of Black Hair in the Big League. Y'all, I'm so honored to have such great guests on this show. And if there's somebody who you want to listen to, please drop me a note on my Instagram at Salisha Thomas or at Black Hair Podcast and slip into those DMs and let me know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on Patreon at Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Y'all, I'm so grateful that you are part of this community. It would not be the same without you. <laughs> Shout out to Wilton Music for producing my theme song, Love COD. Shout out to Colin Tabor for editing this episode and most of these episodes. And shout out to you for listening. Y'all, my heart is so big and I feel so grateful. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas. See you next week. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.